I haven't said a word as it goes. Are you denying it? You don't deny it. Because I heard you, you know, saying, oh, you know, what a gentleman he is. Well, I was talking in general. In the sack, you're far from polite. Would you just keep your voice down? What's your problem? Okay, okay, now listen. In my experience, okay, and scientifically, a woman can develop certain feelings after the, the, the you know, the, the, the physical act of love. Okay, so I just want to stamp that out. Okay, let's just nip that in the bud, if you know what I mean. The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast. It was on a Zoom meeting at work when Tyrone walked into the shop wearing a shirt that once sat on this very desk. I'm Gavin. And I have a sunburn. Yeah, but the t-shirt thing. Yeah, that's really exciting too. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and I mailed that t-shirt out and wrote the nice note saying, hey, guys. It was, it str- was brilliant. It was the strangest moment where I was at work. And I'm in and a meeting. also watching Coronation Street. Well, it's on. I wasn't listening to it. I uh-huh. couldn't hear it because I was on a meeting. Yeah, you had the subtitles on. So, um, so he walks in. And it's <laughs> at the point now where we weren't even... I'd kind of forgotten. Yeah. We'd mentioned it I had, a few weeks ago. I had worried that, um, you know, in, in, in hindsight... I had worried that perhaps he wouldn't be able to wear it because it's got Sparty at, from Michigan State University mm-hmm. on it and everything, and there may be that's issues. A, it's a stylized version of Sparty, though it's not the it's not the logo. Um, but apparently that wasn't a problem, so well, that's did, awesome. He doesn't give a shit. But yeah, um, he comes in and it kind of catches me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And then I realise that that's the shirt that was sitting on this desk. Right. And then my body tries to do at least three things at the same time. It tries to take a screenshot. It tries to turn off the camera from the Zoom meeting mm-hmm. and mute myself. Right. And then it also wants so me to make, make this noises. noise. Oh! Which I made over and over and over <laughs> again as I tried to do the other two things. Right. And there was nobody in the house. So, yeah, and, you know, it works. It's it's not, it doesn't really stand out like, oh, why is he wearing that? You know, it totally works, mm-hmm. you know, along the lines of his other U.S.-based T-shirt collection. So The Tribeca one, for example, which is my favorite. Yeah. And isn't there like a California? There's a, a number of California ones. Right. But now he has a Michigan one, so yay. It's kind of making me think, one, maybe should have sent an Eaton Rapids one. And two... <laughs> Maybe we should have sent a Timbot 4000 one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have worn no. the Timbot one. But, yeah. I thought it would have been hilarious. But here is something. I don't think I'm blowing this too far out of proportion. Well. Something that we did had an effect on the actual show. Something was physically present right, in yes. that show because of us. Yeah, there is physical proof of our influence <laughs> on the show. I wouldn't go as far as to call it influence, but something happened because of us. Right. Which I guess you could say is influence. It's influence, yes. 
the only step beyond that is getting them to say something. <laughs> Which they'll never do. Which I, I think is a because that would is a, be is an altogether different challenge. That would be a little too meta, wouldn't it? For them to talk about a podcast. Well, see every time well, when Gary says the talk of the street. Right. Yeah, if we could get more characters to say talk of the street so we can <laughs> add some more variety to our theme song, that would be cool. I'm looking at you, Charlie. In, I'm kind of settled in that now. <laughs> but yeah, what an interesting uh, yeah. few moments. And then... I'm glad uh, I didn't include it in Corey News uh, now. And then he tweeted <laughs> saying that, thanks for the shot and yeah. hope you enjoyed seeing it on the cobbles, which I very much <laughs> did. <laughs> it was cool. Uh, yeah, you were outside doing yard sale stuff because yard sales are a thing that happen. What is that? This yard sale in Adolf? You, you gave me notice of it like twelve hours before it started. Yeah. Well, Stelly has been bugging me for years to have a yard sale because she wants to sell some of her stuff, and then it, and so I was like, "Yeah, finally, we'll do it this year because it's just because everybody has been home all the time." Every all day, every day, and then you know the the prodigal son returned and everything, and we've all been kind of living on top of one another. I was like, yeah, I really need to get rid of some of this clutter and stuff, if at all possible. So I said to Stella, okay, we're gonna do it this weekend because if I put too much thought into it, then it'll never get done. And then, of course, she was like, she didn't want to sell her stuff. Mm, the plan kind of falls to pieces at that point then. <laughs> but then she finally, you know, she's been bringing... Remember we got her those little totes when we redid... When we painted her bedroom with Rick many, many years ago? We got those little cute little totes from Target. No. And put her stuff in it. And that's where that stuff sat for years and years and years. And she didn't play with it because, I don't know. She's not that kind of kid. No. So she was going through those. And that was fun because we were finding all these treasures and stuff and things she'd forgotten she owned most of which she put in the yard sale so she's selling of it she she made five bucks so no then no she sold some of it because you know she's selling her stuff for like because they're like little mcdonald's toys and stuff so like 25 cents stuff so the proceeds of the sale are going to whatever i want to use it for oh. uh it some of it went to dinner last night the pizza and stuff that we had for dinner last night so just well it's nice if you have like a goal that you want to make x amount because then you want to do something with it well other than buy dinner you know some of it maybe i'll have for uh for our trip in a few weeks when we go to drop the kids off and then go to tennessee yeah we'll be road tripping in a couple of weeks yes we will so we'll have to try and figure out how we're going to do this and that Uh uh-huh it will work. I I think the, the new schedule that they've come up with helps. is going to aid us greatly yes. <laughs> in doing this. And let's not forget, for the whole month of January, I recorded this podcast in a bathtub. You did? So. Yeah, I was thinking back to that. Because <laughs> I was thinking back to when did we actually send that shirt. And it was after you, I think it, must have, it was either before you left or after you came back. So I can, it wasn't January. It was either, I, I think it was I guess February. it was February. Yeah. Besides, besides your t-shirt orgasm, what else has been going on? I watched Back to the Future last night. Did you? Mm-hmm. Aw. I did that, and I watched Mayor Easttown. Yes, 
Yes, I'm so excited. I haven't watched all of it. Yeah. I think I'm on the second last episode. I've, I'm just after the Silence of the Lambs episode. I've just got over that one. Yeah. It's all right. It's good. It's not great. It's okay. It's, it's great. Good. It's not great. It's good. The, 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 Kate Win- the relationship between Kate Winslet and Gene Smart's character, the way they feed yeah, off of one another, that's it's great. one part of it. Yeah, I know. That's my one, favorite part. One small part of it. Can men just stop asking her out? Stop asking her out on dates and maybe she'll fucking solve something. Jeez. It's only two men. Guy Pierce, I thought better you. Mike Aww. from Neighbours. You'll always be Mike from Neighbours. <laughs> I always think of him as uh, the, the, the fake Mandarin, or the guy behind the fake Mandarin in the awful Iron Man 3 movie. No, he's Mike from Neighbours. And then, and then poor, 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 poor Evan Peters. But Mike from Neighbours did go out with plain Jane Superbrain, so you know, it works. He's back in Neighbours now. They're all back in Neighbours. It now. works. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's 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 not be- it's not any better than good, but it's good. What do you think of the Pennsylvanian accents? I haven't really noticed. Really? Mm, they're just murking. Worder. Stuff? I haven't noticed. <laughs> But um, it's it's sad that they don't go to Sheets, but they do go to Wawa. So, shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. And give us some of that Pennsylvania coding news. <laughs> it has been confirmed that Frida Burgess, she what's married to R. Norris, will be returning to the show to offer advice to Gemma and Chesney on their son Alid. Which we we sort of got the preamble to the whole Alid being a storyline again thing yeah. this week. <laughs> they remembered that Gemma had kids right. and they remembered that one of them was deaf. Right, yes. So, who is also deaf? Big day in the writer's room. Yes. She's deaf in real life though, right? I don't know. I think so. Sadly, it seems Riz Ahmed was not available. <laughs> Sound of Metal joke. Sound of Metal. Like one yeah. of my favorite movies we, from last we, we year. We get it. Yeah. Well, you get it. Shows used to do this sort of thing though. Uh huh. I'm sure Happy Days must have done it. What? Because it completely jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. Like it, it literally jumped the shark because that's where the that's where the term, the comes, term from. comes from. But they would get if it was running, they mm-hmm. would get Riz Ahmed to come in and, and be the <laughs> deaf guy, and then the, the, the audience would be applauding. Right. If if uh, if somebody was learning how to play the drums, right, they'd get. Or something from Metallica who just so happens to be coming down Coronation Street. Right. Oh, yeah, I'll teach you how to play the drums. Says Lars yeah, Ulrich. I just happened to be in town because we're on tour, you know. We're playing the, the Bistro at uh, 7.30 tonight. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode where the where the globe, the Harlem Globetrotters just right. happened to be exactly. in the bus in front of them. And it all comes back to South Park because there was a South Park episode where Corn were in it. And they were the Scooby Doo right. kind of thing. Anyway. Ye Frida. Yes, Ye Frida. So, no Norris, though, because he retired. Yeah. So. And doesn't Dave. That might be an awkward conversation. Anyway, former Cory star Shubna Gulati, who played Dev's wife Sunita, has revealed this week that she's been suffering with long COVID. She also contracted pneumonia as a result of COVID-19. So we wish her good health and uh, speedy recovery than what she's been dealing with. So 
that's that's two former cast members now who've yeah, talked that, openly about their long COVID. It's been at least three weeks since you mentioned the last the other one. Yeah, what's his name? Charlie Condu. Yes. <laughs> the only reason his name is in my head is because. It's just a recurring thing on, on, <laughs> on Corey News. It feels like we've been... I shouldn't be laughing. It no. feels like we've been monitoring his progress yes. throughout this entire pandemic. Right, yeah. He, he's like the control <laughs> through, the, through the last 14 months. <laughs> yeah, we'll see Charlie. Hmm. And we end this morning with a puppy watch update. Do-do-do-do-do, bark-bark. Do-do-do-do-do, bark-bark. Quite weak on Corey News Mountain. <laughs> this is like... The most important news okay. of the week. Okay. Okay. I love those Charlie's puppies. Charlie's dogs. Yes. But not like that. <laughs> Charlie DeMello has uh, revealed that Toto's seven puppies have left the nest to begin their guide dog training. Oh, they're guide dog puppies? Yes. Could they be any cuter? <laughs> Remember, the last litter was also, also became guide dogs. This seems to be a thing that he does. I think I was... Because uh, he is an angel I think I was pleasantly surprised about that the last time as well. <laughs> Guide dog puppies. Right. There is nothing cuter. No. No. We wish every success to Hazel, Bertha, Susan, Monty, Stella, Daisy, and especially Keith. Go Keith. In their new jobs. Go Keith. Go Keith. Yeah, he also revealed that um, he, didn't, he didn't start posting pictures of the puppies and everything until after they'd left because... Apparently, there's been a lot of dog napping um, oh, really? in in the UK uh, during during COVID what? and lockdown and stuff. So, I don't know. I guess Corella Deville is 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 once again raging around the streets of London. And oh god, that's Emma Stone in it next it's week. Emma, yeah, Emma Stone in it now. No, in Coronation Street. Oh yes, Emma Stone is going to be in Coronation Street next. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just in town. I've got a gig at the Beast Show at 730. Supporting Metallica. Yeah, I've got some new um, new, new uh, underwear designs that I want to run past the Sarah and Carla and Nick for. Is it right that our Emma Stone impression is the same as our <laughs> Lars Ulrich impression? Yeah. I think so. That would be exactly it. Oh, you know, I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews on the Corella movie. Apparently there are some people up in arms because because she she's actually you know the devil and stuff and how how dare people expecting a light-hearted family comedy <laughs> i was expecting a comedy from mayor of Easttown. i don't know why i said there were funny bits that it was like breaking bad where it's a drama but it has funny bits it's not funny there are funny bits. It, ha- it has funny bits. It's Jean, not funny. Jean Smart. She is very good. Is, She's just playing the same character that she always plays. So. But Jean Smart is just very good in everything. She's also brilliant in Hacks, which is funny. That's the one where she plays the stand-up comedian in Las Vegas right now. Hmm. I'm just really enjoying the, the Jean Smart renaissance that we seem to be living through. Jean-a-songs? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Sure. Yes. And that's, and that's great news. And real bag. John Giovinacci got in touch to say, just reading the letters in my What's On TV magazine. Excellent TV magazine. Ooh. And this letter is so right, I thought it would appeal to you guys. And I took a photograph of it. Mm-hmm. The article or the letter is headed up, Cup in Arms. 
I love Coronation Street, it says, but one of the things that bugs me is the ITV soap's use of empty takeaway coffee cups when people are supposed to be drinking tea or coffee. <laughs> it's so obvious that they don't contain anything. Why can't they be filled with some sort of liquid to make it more realistic, writes Doug Heath from Kent. Who is your pseudonym, right? I think you might be onto something, Doug. <laughs> I still want to make a, like a, a styrofoam cup. It doesn't even have to have liquid in it, just a weight mm-hmm. of some nature, like yeah. a... Like a hockey puck. Or sand. Had a hockey puck in it. Or sand, like fine sand right. for the weight of what coffee would weigh. you don't want liquid thrown or getting yeah. thrown all over the place. No, but we understand something that. something solid inside there. Yeah. You know. Who knows? Someday. And now we'll podcast for coffee. I've been watching a lot of videos this week on uh, music theory. Mm-hmm. And I heard something that sounded a little bit like the start to that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it always went from a C to a C augmented. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Turns out it go from a C to a C sharp diminished. Yes. That makes sense. I took music theory in university. So. Anyway, we're drinking our own coffees this week. No one bought them. Nobody bought coffee no. for us this week. Just their own coffees. That's sad. So you're using your talk of the street cup. Yep. yep. I've got my Eleanor Roosevelt cup. Is that what that is? Yeah, this is the... That's a big old mug. This is the, I have a firm belief in the ability and power of women to achieve. That's why it's a big mug, because it's got a lot of words to fit on there. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a big mug. The Spongebob one I got you. You got me? Yeah. You never told me that. <laughs> I don't think I did. No, you didn't. So I, thought, I showed it to Stelly, and she was unimpressed. I was like, look, look, I got this for you guys to use. We do the podcast that Mr. Gav can drink his coffee while he's doing his po- the podcast with a Spongebob cup. I mean, it's for the house, obviously, but I, mm. I bought it with you in mind in the, in the Spongebob podcast, which is on hiatus. Not, not in mind far enough for you to tell me <laughs> right enough, but still, I'm, it's appreciated. I'm very bad at communicating with you these days. So yeah, no coffees this week, which is fine. But there is, I have to say, on ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com slash the talk of street, that's where you can go to buy us a coffee. Mm-hmm. We'll be very appreciative. Yes. We'll give you a shout out. But yes. even if you don't want to buy us a coffee, mm-hmm. go there anyway. I do a weekly blog after the show, a kind of DVD extra. Ooh. So, no charge. Mm-hmm. Don't have to buy us a coffee. Go read the blog post. Mm-hmm. Someone, then- someone described it as being at least worth looking at. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> If See, I didn't not, even know that this was a thing, so we're even. There you go. <laughs> and now... This. This. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about crime-fighting solicitors. Did, did Adam and Imran start fighting crimes? Yeah, this was Gary complaining about Imran and Adam's nosiness into oh, his affairs. Yeah. Being all over him like a cheap shot, he complained to Sharon. Mm. Not that one. Yeah. I was Gavin and you were wishing everyone Happy Pride Month. Oh, yes. I think we did that last week, so we're all set. If we didn't, Happy Pride Month. Yes. This was 2020 level six, and I was home until September. <laughs> <laughs> 
we were at 500 Twitter followers the year before we were at 200. Mm-hmm. How many do we have now? Uh, 950, 960, wow. something like that. Nice. Seems to double each year. Mm-hmm. Seems to be the way it's going. Yasmin is due to make her plea and Alia makes one last effort to talk her gran out of pleading guilty. Sally and Eileen both come to the conclusion that Tim's dad is one for the watching. Dev can't afford private education and speed dial takeaways. There are no shortage of men looking to creep on poor Kelly the chin whose mother is back on the scene with a brand new house that isn't as far away as Gary had anticipated. Leanne is worried about Oliver smashing bricks. Daniel has a stellar story about avocados that he'd like to share. <laughs> with Johnny gone, Carla is inundated with mis- mysterious strangers who know more about her than she knows about them. This was... Scott. Mm-hmm. And what possible nickname could we come up with for the new Scottish character? Our moment of the week was Ali and Yasmin. Why are you crying scene? Why are you not crying? Mm-hmm. Well, that was very good. Yeah, and yeah, the boring moment boofy. of the week was Daniel and going on avocados. about avocados. Correct, <laughs> well remembered. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Woo-hoo. Shall we dive yes, in, please. my dear? Our first storyline this morning is Peter's liver. I'd just like to say I enjoyed pretty much everything this week. Yeah, it was a good week. It was a really good week. It was a good week. I... I'm not 100% behind stuff that happens in two of the other storylines, but this storyline was just perfect all the way through. The Peter's Lover one? Yes. Huh. <laughs> it always rules, new Shona has an observation for Peter. No offence, pal, but you're looking like death warmed up. <laughs> Peter thinks it's amusing, but Carla doesn't see the funny side and also doesn't understand how he's so zen about the Sarah and Adam thing. He reminds her that he didn't want Adam or Daniel involved in the first place, remember? Yep. We do remember. We do remember. Adam and Sarah walking back to work. He's not looking forward to the conversation he's going to have with Daniel later. I dare say no one looks forward to a conversation <laughs> with Daniel. <laughs> Sarah says that he doesn't have to justify his future to anyone. <laughs> you are so anti-Sarah. I am really anti-Sarah. I really am. I just... She's talking a lot of sense. She, he doesn't have to justify his future. selfish. And the whole future thing. It's like, come on. Do you guys really have a future? <laughs> I mean, they've just now got back together. Well, it's been a few months, but, you know, it just seems like uh, she family is important. And, you know, he's been related to Peter and Daniel longer than she's, he's been related to Sarah. So, I don't know. It just... Yeah, you get married, though, and you kind of cut your ties with your family that's what happens isn't it eh. <laughs> you got roped into my family yeah thanks for that by the way <laughs> for the oh you a buck <laughs> <laughs> so peter's in royce rolls picking up a phone you left earlier because you left a phone somewhere yes. because of plot yeah daniel comes in with bad news and it's dead shona makes sure to tell him that it's dead because mm-hmm. that's important yeah. We have two storylines this week where phones being dead is important yep. to, the, to the plot. Everyone on Coronation Street now has an iPhone and none of those iPhones holds a charge. No. Just doesn't hold a charge. And nobody brings a charger with them. So Daniel has bad news. His liver is a Commodore 64 tape getting loaded into a ZX Spectrum. <laughs> Incompatible. I guess it's all an Adam now, says Daniel. Yeah, about that, says Peter, scratching his beard. Hmm. I- Do you think Daniel probably whisked out of it as well? No. I think he did. No, I don't think he did because this was, Daniel was the one who was fighting for this. 
Daniel absolutely did this. Yeah, in the hope that Adam would be the one that would do it. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think Daniel, I think Adam is kind of right in what he says later about Daniel really enjoying being the knight in shining armor for everybody. And no. kind of, you know, this kind this in a way is part of the healing process for the whole dead wife thing. Didn't he do Save that? Save your brother. Didn't he do that with the, the prostitute? Yeah, well, <laughs> she has a name. I can't remember it. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um Rachel. Yes. Was it? I do have to say that I really enjoyed the scenes between Shona and Peter this week. Those are really enjoyed. Yeah. Because at first you're kind of thinking that maybe she doesn't understand that he has a problem with his liver. Well, she's she's because, got eyes. Well, no, because she says she says in that first thing about, you know, lay off the fake spray tan or something, and you're like, oh, Maybe she doesn't realize. But then when he comes back and he tells her, thank you, and I really appreciate your straightforwardness, you know, and everything. Yeah, he hasn't bought copper tone yellow. No. <laughs> and it's typically orange that you turn if, if you've had a bad spray tan, not yellow. But we've, we've, and also it's on his eyeballs as well. I so. know. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like the, the makeup, we've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. is so on point. Yeah, it's really good. But. Even more than that this week, mm-hmm. the fact that his eyeballs were yellow. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit, how did they do that? Do you contact think it's contact or yeah. something in post? I don't know, but it was it was very good. It was very, very good. Yes. And it's just nice to have, you know, Shona be be used in this way where yeah. where her brain damage becomes a good thing. Yeah. Peter pretends to be a zombie as he leaves the, the Right, cafe. yeah, that Not was hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> so outside they run into Adam. Daniel calls him a coward. Excuse me, says Adam, looking for a fight. Peter reminds them both that if this is a family that he's getting better for, maybe he'd be better off dead. And he wanders away to clear his head. Back at the factory, though, Carla gets a call from the liver supply centre. They have news and they've been unable to reach Peter because of things that Shona said earlier. Right. Carla finds Daniel and Adam in the pub, still in a mood with each other. She's looking for Peter. They've had a call from Livers Are Us. They've got another liver for Peter. And if he doesn't get there in the next 24 minutes, it's going to go bad. And no one knows where he is. It's like every every second they could put Daniel and Adam somewhere drinking yep. together this week. Yep. They do that. Yeah. And it gets a little meta later on when Daniel asks if this is in poor taste. I'm pretty sure Adam's working. And yeah, it's during the day. And he, he goes out twice that day. And who's looking after Bertie? Bertie's looking after himself at this point. <laughs> so Adam explains about the disagreement that they all had. And then Peter starts stormed off and Carl's like, oh, f- fucking great. So Daniel goes off to see if he can find him and Adam hangs about to finish his pint, which I thought again was pretty funny. And, and may not have happened. At the cafe, Daniel explains to Shona that if Peter doesn't get to the hospital in the next three minutes his lover will go to someone else because that's how medicine works he gets a call from Gemma Peter is with her somehow mm-hmm. and it sounds like Peter was ready to collapse outside the bistro so Gemma marched him up the stairs to get a seat Daniel comes along to whisk him away we have but four seconds to get you to the hospital doop so at the hospital doop doop I'm doing the 24 you know yeah. sound with the I actually did that yes you did <laughs> <sighs> Where do you find the time? <laughs> it was hilarious. I thought it was quite because, funny. Because, like, especially when later on when I actually watched this whole thing, 
it did mm-hmm. really kind of have that that feel like you know right. we have x amount of time and it's real time yeah the following is filmed between 11 a.m and 12 p.m on the day of the california presidential primary <laughs> says Lars Ulrich. <laughs> no i had fun putting that together the t-shirt got lots of love tyron's uh, t-shirt but, you know, it's funny how some things... Yes. Some things work and some things don't. Yes. And I still don't understand how that's the same. Nobody does. So, at the hospital, Daniel has spoken to Ken, who is doing cartwheels, apparently. <clears throat> sure. Peter's worried that he's going to be taken before Carla can get there, but Peter's still wearing his outside coat and sitting in the waiting room, so I think you've, you've got some time yet. He needs Adam and Daniel to be together in case he doesn't pull through. And later, in bed, in the, in the hospital bed, Peter is talking to Carla about getting his scar tattooed in Barcelona and mm-hmm. then going shopping. Then Peter's medical team come in to whisk him away for his awaiting liver. I'm here for you, says Carla. Yeah, that, that was that was nice, mm-hmm. you know, talking about. Because that's, that's something I have always kind of wanted to do is get a tattoo over, over the large scar on my abdomen from uh, my cancer surgery. But then you were very sweet and you said to me that... You know, I shouldn't cover up my battle scars. I don't cover up your battle scars. And plus, it's looking great. <laughs> get a tattoo there by all means, but don't get it to cover something up. Right. Adam and Peter are day drinking again, this time at the bistro, which is worrying that they're spreading out so they don't <laughs> seem to be in the one place for as long as they are. Adam explains how much Peter has been a constant in his life. A walking disaster. Y- yeah, well, maybe then you should do something for that constant in your life, Mr. Adam. A walking disaster, but loyal, and he never judges because he's always done worse himself. He's sure the operation will be a success. He'll be a great dad and uncle. You forgot husband, says Daniel. Drink up, says Adam. <laughs> At the hospital, while everyone waits for news, Daniel corrects the grammar on the posters in the waiting room with his grammar correcting pen. <laughs> I actually kind of liked that because it is something that I've wanted to do a time or two. Yeah. <laughs> It's always apostrophes. It's the your and your thing, mm-hmm. uh, which I hate. We all do it. Every now and again, one of them slips out. And sometimes... But not like that. And sometimes autocorrect does it. Yes. And it shouldn't. Like, constantly with the word were, autocorrect is constantly changing it to we're on me. And it's like, why? Sunday. Were is also a word. Sunday. It never wants to spell Sunday. It wants to call it sub day. <laughs> it's not just me. It wants to put in sub day, whatever the fuck that is. I know, I know. That's the weirdest when it, it wants to change it to something that nobody would ever say. Uh uh uh. It says, you didn't mean Sunday there, which is actually a thing. You must have meant sub day, yes. which isn't a thing. And we never, ever, ever mean duck. <laughs> never. Never. So. The doctors later, for some reason, they tell Daniel the good news. Right. Rather than Carla. Coming but in anyway, talking to Carla. The Maybe because then there would be too many people in a room probably. together. Well, make make that person Carla then. Right. Who knows? The surgeons are quietly optimistic that the surgery has been a great success. Then on Wednesday, we don't really see very much on Wednesday. No. There's just one scene outside the tram station for some reason where Carla asks Sarah for some extra time off. Take all the time you need, says Sarah. In fact, maybe after this Lucas thing, it's probably better that you don't bother coming back at all. Yeah, because Nick should be back now that that thing, that thing isn't is a thing anymore. Resolved. Carla wonders if this is because of Lucas's treachery or her getting her hold of Adam. 
Sarah kind of ignores it and tells her that her P45 is in the post. And that's that. Mm-hmm. If I was a fan of Peter and Carla, and I'm yeah. not I'm not, not a fan. Right. I think I'd be quite pissed off about that. Well, there's lots of other stuff to get to. and Yeah, but they, they don't care about that. And he's in recovery, so... I mean, he's going to be in that hospital bed for a while, so... I think I think we were due at least a scene of Peter coming round and Carla being there. Just to finish that bit off. What did you think of Peter's doodles for his tattoo? I wouldn't want that on my body. <laughs> but... And, and I have to say, when he was making those doodles, they kind of cut to that scene and you just saw the doodles and you didn't mm-hmm. see who was doing it. I thought it was Nina. Hmm. I thought it was Nina making doodles for our graphic novel. Well, it wasn't him doodling. It was Carla looking through the doodles. Wasn't it? Yeah, I still thought it was Nina. Yeah. yeah. Nina's a better artist than Peter. Did Peter draw them? Yes. He said they were his doodles. Huh. He said that? Yes, he did. He said, these are my doodles? Yes. Would you like to see my doodles? <laughs> Would you like to come up and... and, and uh, Peruse my sketchings, Miss Honeypot, with a, Emma with a Stone glass, of, glass of Madeira. Gosh of Madeira. <laughs> How many times does Carl have to resign from the factory before it, it, it takes effect? Didn't she leave? I thought she'd already left. She had, but then she had, they asked her back because Nick was going into hiding. So Sarah needed help. Right. So she really shouldn't have much of a complaint about this whole kind no, of get more it's time just off thing. the way Sarah is being is really kind of rude. Fine is how she's being. She's rude. You were leaving. No. It's just just relax. Sarah's awful. I'm perfectly relaxed. <laughs> you need to calm down, Gav. I am calm. You need to calm down. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. Calm one. down. It's okay. I've never once told someone to calm down and then they've calmed down. No, don't ever tell someone to calm down. That's the worst thing to say to somebody. And definitely don't say it like, calm down. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Just calm down, Gav. Don't, don't say oof. Well, you can say oof in certain situations. Yeah, but not... It's not no, like that. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we've covered all that. <laughs> I saw some interesting speculation, though. Of uh, maybe this will end up being rejected, and Adam will end up being the the donor after all. And I really hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, that seems a little convoluted. Can we? And I don't want to stretch this out any any more than we absolutely have to. Yeah. And it feels like it's been stretched out enough right. already with the whole. You were in a fight, so we're not going to give you a lover. Yeah. And then the whole Ruby's lover debacle from a few weeks ago. <laughs> Anyway, our next sort of thing today is selling up the Rovers mm. on Monday through the back in the Rovers, Daisy, because Daisy's in it this week. She finds Jenny having a Shiraz breakfast. <laughs> you know, she's like, good morning, and there's Jenny with a glass of wine. Mm. Great. I, I don't know if the insinuation was that she was having a Shiraz breakfast or it was just there from the night before, but yeah, it's a look. Jenny advises that Johnny's been kicked to the curb and she'll be looking out for herself from now on. Daisy is thrilled to see Jenny being uh, so destructive and selfish. Besties. Now wait and get wired into Ronnie, Daisy says, but Jenny is more interested in a totally clean slate. Mm-hmm. Then in comes Johnny, looking for a private word. Mm-hmm. 
Johnny starts down a things were said last night line, mm-hmm. but Jenny wants him to move out, thinking it for the best. Well, for you perhaps, he says. Where am I supposed to go? He spent last night on Carla's couch. He thinks it's a better idea for her to move in with Rita. <laughs> <laughs> And it's looking like a stalemate, so why don't we give it a few And she's hilarious, because she's like, I don't want to inflict Daisy on Rita. (laughs) What's Daisy got to do with us? (laughs) Daisy's an adult. Yeah, she lives with Jenny now, though. So she'd be Yeah, but she's not Jenny's responsibility. No, Jenny feels responsible because of that whole thing about her dad and stuff. Which I still don't believe. That whole lie from last week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jenny is adamant, so Johnny acts like someone just says, Liz McDonald, and storms out. Later. Daisy is shocked to learn that Johnny wants to stay in a pub that he owns and reckons that this is a play and he's waiting for her to crawl back, begging for forgiveness. She suggests changing the locks because she's a fucking idiot. And and throwing his stuff out on to the curb, which Jenny rightly says, yeah, I'm not 16. Yeah, I'm not going to turn into that person. Right. So Johnny's hanging around on his own through the back, looking like he's wondering about having chilli con carne without rice, but then he gets an idea. And he goes on to Jenny's laptop. Mm. And Jenny comes through to apologise for jumping the gun earlier. Look, I'm sorry. Johnny is dismissive. No, you were right. They can't live under the same roof and they shouldn't drag it out. So there's only one thing for it. Sell the fucking pub. The Rovers is now on the market. And Jenny's like, well, I didn't mean that. Right. And also, maybe maybe talk to me first before making this decision all on your own. Both of them are doing this, though. Both of them are like, no, I'm going to make this decision and this is the way it's going to be. She did say through the week that the, the pub is in his name. But in the little uh, still that we saw of Imran and Yasmin standing outside the Rovers, mm-hmm. looking all the world like the new owners, by the way. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. Let's just put that there. The name above the door is Jenny Connor. Yeah. So the license is in her name, but the pub seems to be in his name. Right, because he's a criminal. Was he a criminal at that point? He was. He was still. A, he was already a. He wasn't convicted though. No, that's true. But I think it, they. What they, they preemptively. <laughs> because he knew he was a criminal. I don't know. Well, I I seem to remember something about her saying to him at some point. Oh, that's why the license is in my name or something. I don't know. So I may have dreamed that. I think you may have. Jenny unloads on Daisy. <clears throat> but not like that. Johnny has offered her first refusal on the pub, knowing that she doesn't have that cash. Well, maybe go speak to the bank. So, what does she want? A free pub? She calls this the most expensive bonk in history. Daisy <laughs> has some ideas, though. But the first one involves Rita, so let's not get too excited. Yeah. Jenny has checked with the bank, but it's done, which is a pisser after all the effort that she put in the B and B. She's not going to get the loan. Right. You know, and it was it was good. You know the way that they explained that about like. With the whole pandemic and everything, banks are kind of loath to uh, give any money. Give loan uh, people money to buy things like pubs and restaurants because they may all get shut down again. Mm-hmm. Although you'd think that there would be like some sort of recovery effort through the government or something. Daisy comes in with the answer to her problems, Ronnie. Yeah, which makes sense. That's exactly what I was thinking last week. It's I could like, tell. Ronnie has lots of money. You had your Ronnie eyes in. Yes, I did. Oh, there they go again. <laughs> Ronnie comes in like the phones, but he understood this to be Jenny's idea. Right, yes. But Jenny has no plans to get into business bed with him. Which, uh, he said, he says immediately he would be a silent partner. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't be behind the bar. He wouldn't be visible to people. Nobody would have to know that he's the silent partner. 
So that makes Jenny's whole, no, I don't want to do this with you thing kind of moot. And yet she insists that she, this is the easiest fix for this. It would be so easy to just do this. They don't have to be in a relationship. Nobody has to know that Ronnie is the money behind the throne. So I was really kind of sad that Jenny kind of just turns this down outright. Well, it's a kind of principle thing, isn't it? She just doesn't want... It's like if she doesn't have anything to do with him, then that didn't happen. And she's kind of happy, like she said to Daisy, to turn a completely clean slate. Because Daisy's all... Ma- I understand why marry she doesn't... Ronnie now. I don't... I, I completely understand why she doesn't want to date Ronnie. I, I get that 100%. But if she really cares about keeping the pub, which I'm not quite sure she does care about keeping the pub... She wants a B and B. That was her baby. Yeah, but she there. There seems to be aspects of her this week that just wants to be completely done with all of this, and just go away hmm. somewhere else. Later, Daisy apologizes for her amateur hour theatrics, but she hates hearing Jenny talk like she's thrown in the towel. Jenny promises that she hasn't, and they're not on the streets yet. On Wednesday at the pub, Marie and Fizz are gossiping with Daisy about the Rover's sale. They speculate over who will buy it. A dot-com millionaire suggests Fizz from 2003. Yes, with (laughs) chiselled good looks and everything, who has a thing for fiery redheads. Mm -hmm. And then Daisy says something about her brunettes, and Fizz is like, eh. Yeah, settle down, you're not pro. Daisy reckons that she and Sean will be okay because of double glammy. Ryan's got speed dial, and Maria's quick to remind us all of Ryan's DJing. Right. It's Gemma that Fizz feels sorry for what we're having. Five mouths to feed. Right. And Chesney. <laughs> Emma and Sean turn up for their shift and see the for sale sign outside the rovers. Jenny invites them in for a staff meeting to explain everything. So she explains about her and Johnny in the pub and hopes that the new owners will keep them all on, which typically tends to happen. Right. But then they don't know that they're in a soap opera. Daisy is thankful for Double Glammy and thinks that Jenny... Why does she keep saying that she's thankful for Double Glammy? How is she making money on Double Glammy? Not only is she making money, money, she claims to be making a ton of money out of Double Glammy. Yeah. And she thinks that Jenny would be a great salesperson for them. Sean is appalled, but Jenny couldn't be less interested no matter what happens. End of an era, says Sean, and he calls Jenny the best boss ever. Aw. Who was boss when Sean was homeless? I can't remember. Didn't Jenny fire Sean for stealing vodka? Yes. Best boss ever. Yep. is through the back of the rovers, shipping off double glammy stuff to homeless Carol. In comes Sean, not best pleased to see that Daisy is playing the con again, and he tries to distance Carol from it again. But once again, Carol takes it personally, and Daisy thinks that Carol has the potential to be a top seller. Sean insists that they've sold out of all the products anyway, so tough titty for the pair of you. And later, privately, Daisy wants a word with Sean. She's checked and they've not sold out of everything. And she says that Sean is either threatened or being a snob. And he's like, (gasps) me a snob? Flounce. He explains that he doesn't want to screw over Carol like he did to Gemma. So Daisy tells him to mentor her instead and help her become a success. And this works. "Hmm." The fact that he's like so concerned about Carol and then all it takes is for Daisy to say... Well, then you should mentor her so she becomes better for him to just turn around completely. Just, mm-hmm. I, Which also I don't makes expect, it further your fault if it all I goes tits up. I don't expect much from Sean. <laughs> I don't, Nobody does. But I expected more than this, you know? I expected him to say, you're just saying that so that we can rope her in 
this pyramid scheme so you and I make more money. He's so riddled with self-doubt. It's crippling. A Welshman he doesn't know mm-hmm. and Daisy yeah. are able to talk him round. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> On Friday at the Rovers, Jenny had a call from Johnny to let her know that there's a viewing organised for later. She oh, complains no. to Daisy, who offers to show the prospective buyer around, and Jenny thinks this is a great idea. So Daisy is showing a Welshman around, but the back... Why are there so many Welsh people in this show all of a sudden? Well... It's like every time we turn around, it's another Welshman. There's never two at the same time. There's never two talking to each maybe, other. Maybe they're that all is, the same one. It is a version of the Bechdel test. If a show has a named Welshman talking to another named Welshman. It's, a, it's, the, um, it's the Sir Anthony Hopkins test. It's a Jones the test. <laughs> Coronation Street this week fails the Jones the test. <laughs> well, you know, technically, all of Gemma's kids are, are Welsh. And did this Welshman talk to them? No. Coronation Street fails <laughs> Jones the test. So the back room stinks, but no, really stinks. Mm. And Daisy's kind of blaming some nappy oh, stuff and yeah. and blaming some Body guttering odor. or whatever. Yeah, they get a but poor clientele. Like, it smells like shit. And uh, Daisy said, look, I'm going to have to come clean with you. Uh, there's a problem with a sewer pipe. If it collapsed, it caused a sinkhole across the street. But that's just a coincidence. <laughs> and the Welshman says, I've smelt enough. And he leaves. I like that she incorporates the sinkhole into all mm-hmm. of this. There's one person who remembers the sinkhole. Yes. Jenny gets back to the pub, which we learn is stinking of old prawns. Daisy claims that she... Uh, retrieved some of them they'd already turned bad mm-hmm. and she got them back out the garbage it's like have you ever heard that that uh urban legend about the woman who lost her house to her husband in the divorce and uh like before she left she filled like the the curtain rods with shrimp and it starts to stink and the husband and the new wife go crazy like and spend thousands of dollars trying to get rid of the smell and they can't, so finally they sell the house to the ex-wife, and she's able to just like throw away the curtain rods, and and that's it. And she gets the house cheap. That's it. It reminded me of that because of the whole shrimp thing, mm. using shrimp to stink someone out. Daisy claims to be breaking it in with double glammy and just wants to put enough people off so that they can buy the pub themselves. Johnny is not getting to chuck you out of your own pub, she mm. says. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. So yeah, this double glammy thing does seem to be a bit of a money spinner for Daisy. Although we never actually see her no. sell any of it, which is good because it's not interesting. She seems to be able to talk people into selling it for her. You know, she seems to really excel at what a whole pyramid scheme is. She's the Bernie Madoff of the show. Is Daisy evil? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> She's the new Tracy. Now that Tracy's gotten old and softened and married Steve, I expect Daisy to murder someone eventually. Yeah. I don't mind her. I know you don't. I really I don't I can't mind take her at all. And I'm not I'm not meant to. Right. Yeah, I don't like her. She's not a good person. But her brand of evil, I think, really works for the show and it adds something to the show to have like this recurring character who's kind of devious and selfish and tricky. You know, I think she fills a hole in the show that 
hasn't really been filled very well by anybody else pretending to be a villain. You know, she's a better villain than Gary. She hasn't even killed anybody yet. Because she, she, has, she has the right mentality to be evil. Whereas Gary's more of an anti-villain or an anti-hero villain sort of thing. I don't, I don't even know if Gary's that. You know, he does bad things, but he does bad things for good reasons or for reasons he thinks are good. You know, whereas Daisy is out for herself. Gary is never Gary out for is himself. Gary a victim of circumstance. <laughs> That's it. Well, the roof Daisy, was not a circumstance. Well, it was a circumstance. He didn't mean for it to... Right, but he didn't have to go up there and loosen it up No, by hitting it with a sledgehammer a few times. Anyway. I, I don't even think it was a sledgehammer. I think <laughs> it was a, a piece of metal. <laughs> a, anyway. a, an iron bar did all that damage. <laughs> Daisy does seem to be, doesn't do anything if it doesn't help Daisy. Right, yeah. Yes. And you need somebody like that on the show. And it used to be Tracy, but it's not Tracy because Tracy cares about Amy and Steve. And uh, occasionally I Ken. guess it's nice to have someone like that, someone that you can boo from the, right, yes. the sidelines. Yes. And she's really good at mustache twirling. She, she does it well. She does. I've practically had to invent a whole new category of two-second smell fade to just accommodate her. <laughs> it's hope that wins it this week, by the way. Well, yes. So who is going to buy the Rovers then? I don't know. Uh, do you think it is still going to be Jenny and somebody possibly is Ronnie completely out of the picture here? I don't I don't know if he is because it, the way that it that kind of jumps up as being the obvious answer and then fizzles seemingly immediately kind of puts a question to me that perhaps this isn't and we need a reason for Ronnie to stay on the show because right. <laughs> I, presume that, Ronnie, I presume we're keeping them. Ronnie out of all of the Baileys is the care is the member of the Bailey family that gets used the most for some reason. He's the best Bailey. Let's face it. <laughs> he really is. They give him they give him better stuff to work with than they've given any of the other Baileys. Because they, they haven't lumbered them with living with a family. Right. Because the others can't really be free spirits and can't really get involved in, in too much hokum. Because, because James that's... would be more... Because he's young and gay. He's not gay. He's gay. Oh, no, he is gay now. He is gay now. Happy Pride Month. We're trying to do it with uh, Michael a bit, but then we're now lumbering him with, with a baby Grace and, and Glory. Grace. Yeah. But Ronnie... I, don't know, I just love Ronnie... Ronnie, he's a great character. Ronnie comes in. Yeah. He's got the swagger. He's got the style. Yeah. He's got the silver tongue. Right. He hits the ground running. Right. Yeah. So much. And he was like, absolutely, I will do this. for You know, I will do this. I have the money. Let's do this thing. Right. You know? Seemingly without thought. It didn't, yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't have to sit and think about it. Didn't have to check with his financial advisor or anything, just, no, we're going to do this. Let's do this. It'll be fun. So I think Ronnie will still be involved somehow, maybe. I'm not as 100% behind the whole Imran and um, Yasmin. Oh, I'm th- not... No, that was just a still from right, before yeah. the BAFTAs. That's yeah. not... Well, I, I presume it wasn't a hint. Right. Yeah, I don't think I would be 100% behind that because I don't f- feel that... Yasmin would be terrible behind the bar. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she's got good banter, but not behind the bar. And also, there's still, like, the the past trauma with the whole 
Tim's dad mm-hmm. telling her she's an Elkie and stuff. Oh, true. And I think Imran has enough on his plate being a solicitor and it's also just, a foster dad. It's just excuses to get Imran and Yasmin together more, and hanging out. And and more screen time. Yeah. But I don't seriously think that no. that's a possibility. No. I don't either. Some uh, I've seen some speculation as to Debbie, but why would she want to own the Bistro and, and the, the Rover's, Rover's Return? Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. Or if you're owning one, if you're owning both, it's to shut one down. Yeah. And we don't want that. And that would never happen anyway. No. All right. Our next storyline. All right. All right, my lover. Sublime <laughs> Devon. Large Ulrichs from Devon. <laughs> our next storyline this morning is oh, storyline of the week. Bernie's Revenge. Mm-hmm. On Monday, Bernie has been walking Cerberus for Evelyn, who still has a leg up and a little bandage thing. Cerberus is very much a fan of Bernie and ignores Evelyn when they come back, choosing to play with Bernie instead. Go to mummy, says Bernie. I'm not his mummy, says Evelyn. I'm his mistress. <laughs> Bernie notices that Cerberus has been terribly clingy lately. Must be overtired, says Evelyn. So Bernie goes into Dev's for some of Evelyn's posh sherry. Dev doesn't know why Bernie's still running after her, but Bernie reminds her and the viewers that a couple of weeks back, Bernie swore to get revenge in this world or the next. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the plan, <clears throat> Dev. Just so Bernie has taken Cerberus out again and reports back on the consistency of his shite. Mm-hmm. Soft middling, apparently. Mm-hmm. Again, Evelyn is shocked to find that Cerberus is more interested in Bernie than her. So when Bernie leaves, Evelyn gets up to throw a ball around and get Cerberus on side again. And Bernie comes back in on the pretense that she's forgotten something and catches Evelyn red-handed, so to speak. Gotcha, ya cow, says Bernie. So Bernie's at Dev's announcing that Evelyn will be back tomorrow. She reveals that Cerberus was her pal because she had, what, a sausage in her pocket? Right. And dogs love sausages. Which is hilarious because um, Evelyn... In real life, she she is... I remember the article we talked about in Corey News like a year ago that the way she keeps the dog's attention is by putting sausage in her bra. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's hilarious that that's what... That dog loves sausages. <laughs> Bernie's been doing. Do you know who else loves sausages? You. Mm-hmm. You bye bye every lunch. Bye-bye compensation claim, says Addy, <sighs> who calls Bernie Employee of the Month. She and Dev arranged to get a celebratory drink. To mark the occasion. Mm-hmm. And Addy, for some reason, calls Dev a doormat. Yes. Well. The, the little scene where, because he is. where Bernie was essentially rolling on the floor with mm-hmm. Cerberus as they were playing. Uh-huh. And the lovely old dog with his big old paws was just yeah. playing about with Bernie. Yeah. I was, kind of fell in love at that moment. <laughs> just, just so awe. So on Wednesday, Dev is suffering from the drinks from the night before. Addy takes Two him. glasses of Merlot <laughs> has messed him up completely. What? Addy takes some glee from ripping the piss out of his old man and his non-existent love life. Sadville centrally calls it. All he's missing is his zimmer. No wonder Sharon did a runner. So Sharon's done a runner officially now then. Well, yeah. She's out of it. Well, hopefully they'll catch Until her. They've got, to, they've got to catch her. Right. right? They've got to. She's a Pokemon after all. No wonder she had the runner. Bernie says that she'd hit it and with a wink to Dev tries to pull the wool over Addy's eyes that they're a thing and they go off for brunch leaving Addy in charge of the shop. That was funny. Mm-hmm. I just, any storyline that, that gives us more Addy, I'm 100% behind. Right. And I guess we'll see it when it happens but just, just so we're all clear, <laughs> he's hilarious throughout this week. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Still ben, the best Alhan. Ben and Dev are at the bistro playing along quite nicely with the, the fake date thing. She tells him to relax and enjoy himself, let his hair down. Addy's astonishment will be well worth it. Plus, they get to treat themselves to fillet steak. And it turns out that they've really enjoyed each other's company. So Dev suggests that they continue their pretend date back at his place. And this time, he's already stolen his own peach schnapps. All for Addy's benefit, you understand. Garçon, l'addition, shouts Dev. And at the shop, Dev is trying to pick a bottle of wine. Evelyn claims that she's already spoken to Addy, so already knows that this whole thing is a ruse. And unperturbed, Dev goes on about the sweet nectar. Love that. <laughs> Bernie talks about uh, derobing over the Garibaldis. And they're both giddy as they rush out to be deplorable with each other, which puts Evelyn off her lunchtime banana. Mm-hmm. It had to be a banana, didn't it? So Addy is nipped back to the shop for lunch. Custard creams and fizzy pop. And Evelyn warns him uh, that uh, he's going to have a... <laughs> It's a fat berg. It's going to turn into a fat berg. Right. <laughs> Under the streets of London. Just the banter between the two of them. <laughs> oh. Yep. So she warns him that Dev is at home with Bernie, who's come over all Gina Lola Bridgeter and tie-dye, which obviously Addy hasn't a fucking clue about. So he just stares back with his most blank expression. Yeah, as did I. At home, Dev comes rushing down the stairs to find Addy there. Caught in the act, shouts Addy. Napping in the afternoon because he thinks that this right. was just a ruse. Oh, quite, quite, says Dave, and he leads his son into the kitchen. Have I explained the programmes on the washing machine to you yet? <laughs> and while Addy's distracted, Bernie sneaks down the stairs and out the door. Yes, he does. <laughs> so Bernie's in the rovers, gabbing to Gemma about her fake date with Dave, but she's in the middle of calling him a gent when he walks in and he seems to think that Bernie really has the hots for him and he kind of hurries away. So Benny catches up with them in the beer garden. He's worried that the news about them will get out. And now that they've indulged in the physical act of love, she'll get all cuckoo for his bobby. Sweetheart, she says, you ain't all that. But he thinks that she's a smitten kitten. So she has to be more direct. I had fun, but you were a dead body in the sack, she says. (laughs) (laughs) So Benny's affronted as she goes back to Gemma. But the more she thinks about it, the more she decides to give Dave Allahan another piece of her mind. Mm-hmm. So she goes round to Dave's and they have a bit of a slagging match where they berate each other's performance and you didn't win any prizes for working out where this is going to head. Mm-hmm. So later, Dave comes down the stairs and has to distract Addy with the workings of the fridge freezer while Bernie <laughs> sneaks down the stairs Again, just, for the second time today. Right, yeah. It's like uh, it's like moonlighting, isn't it? Or any, or any show that has, you know, two people in it that hate one another. And then, you know. I don't know if they hate one another, but the, yeah, the, and the, then, the, the, the argument seems to have turned them on a little right, bit. Right, yeah. God almighty, the second time that she came down the stairs, I thought, she's coming down these stairs again, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Which <laughs> <But> she did. <laughs> With her shoes in her hands as she right, yeah. creeps out the door. It's, it's, it's like, come on, come here, puts his arm around Daddy, come here. You're, you're home early. And he's like, I'm not. This like, school's out. That's right. <laughs> And then, he, and then he talks about how he's worried about Asha and another storyline and, you know, Dev seems really distracted and stuff. And he's like, Dad, are you listening? He's like, all right, yeah, come on, come to the kitchen while I clean up and tell me all about it. So on Friday, Addy comes back home after forgetting his basketball kit to find Bernie and one of Dev's shirts with a breakfast tray and dishevelled hair. It's not what it looks like, she says. <laughs> that was funny. So Dev hurries down the stairs, traumatised on behalf of his son. You should be at school, he says. Trust me, says Addy, I wish I was. <laughs> ben insists that they were working on the kebab shop rota. He doesn't, she doesn't know how Dev manages to fit it all in. 
but Dave, not like that. And Dave but begins, absolutely like that. And Dave begins to cry as Addy rushes away. Addy has explained what happened with Dave to Asha, who doesn't really need the details. Mary comes out the florist and picks up on this and seems somewhat crushed to learn that Dave got his whole loaf of Benny last night. Multiple times. Right. So later, Mary catches Benny outside the kebab shop. She accuses her of getting a whole loaf of Dev so she can slack off at work. Bernie suggests that Mary fancies some herself, but Mary insists her only concern is the twins. Bernie says that Dev was quite taken with her twins. And, <laughs> and Steve, who is passing, makes an incredible Muppet face while Mary throws up in her mouth a wee bit. <laughs> so Bernie gets home and she's whistling sex bomb. Chez mm-hmm. isn't pleased that she's shagging the boss. She explains it's just friends with benefits, but Gemma reckons that her mum really is a smitten kitten. And later, Bernie goes back to see Mary explains that she's a lover, not a fighter, and apologises for earlier. Mary accepts. Harsh words were said on both sides, she says. Mm-hmm. If you're serious about Dev, then I withdraw my concerns. Right. People find love in the oddest of places, says Mary, and then she goes back to work, and Bernie's like, what the fuck was that all about? <laughs> right, well, because Gemma is there too, and Gemma says something to Mary about the fact that maybe Bernie has feelings, uh, does actually have feelings for Dev. And so Mary's like, well, if that's the case, then... And which was kind of disappointing because I was like, oh, yes, this is the thing that's going to finally get Mary and Dev together romantically, which they've been denying mm-hmm. for years. I think it would be a, a step back if that was to happen. Uh, they've been kind I, of in the... In, uh, she's been the kind of nanny for too long. She's already, she already has that role. Sound of music. I think it would be a, a, too much of a jolt for her to become romantically involved with Dave. We need to match her up with somebody else. <sighs> so the Rovers, Steve and Dev are playing cards with her back to the door so they don't see Mary come in. Steve explains what he overheard earlier and thinks that Bernie was bragging about being his girl. And Dev scoffs. YH, YH, she's not my girlfriend. And he just had his beer goggles on. Steve sympathises, he's been there. And they continue to be kind of nasty about Bernie. Yeah. And Mary is appalled. Right. And quietly leaves, and that's as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. There's much to like about the storyline. It was enormous fun. It was, yeah. It was, it was fun until it wasn't. You oh, know? Yeah, at the end there, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be much, much more interesting if Dev was a smitten kitten in this situation, oh, as opposed to Bernie. Yeah. That would be much more interesting, mm-hmm. less problematic, and. And I think a lot more fun because it's kind of, I didn't like, there was insinuation the whole way through that Bernie is, that Bernie is the gross thing in the story, you know, that if Addie had caught his dad with anyone else, he wouldn't be as appalled. Right. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of that. Don't spoil this for me. (laughs) my job to spoil things for you so you know so and this just it feels like a story we've seen before you know it's it's very pygmalion isn't it in fact doesn't somebody not expecting that from a cory podcast and, and in fact didn't yeah there there was a reference to henry iggins only she says dr doolittle and 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 Addie says no you mean henry higgins or maybe it was evelyn who said no you mean henry higgins Bernie calls, like right on the nose, calls or, or accuses Dev of being a Dr. Doolittle. And they say, no, you mean Henry Higgins. I think so. I, I think I agree. I think if, if it was 
if, if Bernie was such a award-winning lover mm-hmm. that Dave can, can now see no other, right? That Bernie has spoiled right. other women for Dave. Yeah. I think that would be that would be better. Or that he's the attracted reason, to her for other reasons besides just being good in bed. Yeah, there has to be some kind of initial spark, right? right. Because the two of them are romantically yeah, connected. There, seems, there does seem to be some sort of spark there because you don't, you don't, you don't have even even in this enlightened day and age, you don't have sex with someone that you don't have some sort of attraction to. You know, they're not going to be yelling at each other and then go to bed just just because. I guess. You know, I th- I think though this week in particular has really done its best to sell this version of Bernie to the audience. Whereas before, if you remember, remember when she left for a while, mm-hmm. because she was this kind of confused mess of a character. Right. Nobody really knew what she was. She was this kind of star child, but she was a bit on the take as well. Right. And then she was also selling Gemma's pee. Right. And there was all these conflicting parts to her character that, that we still, complained about. She still kind of seems to be like the the devious schemer, you know, with the whole sausage thing. She has her moments. She, you know, so that that's still definitely an aspect of her character. But when she came back after that and then became the kind of more caring, family-oriented person and she was looking after... Gemma and she was trying to do her best by Paul and make all that Kel thing right. Right. And she became a more likable character at that point for me anyway. Right. And I think at this point now she's kind of becoming more more of just a kind of side character and and a supporting role to to the family, to Mm -hmm. Chez and to Gemma and kind of being in her own right. And it was, I, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting to see, and and it was a wonderful reminder of what a great comedy actor she is, because yes. she had some absolute storming lines that she right. delivered, and her timing is perfectly. really good. Yeah, right. she's a great comedic actor, but you know, and I, and I think the whole diva, you know, even when she's being a good mother, finally being a good mother to Gemma and everything, and helping with the quads and everything. She's still, you know, slacking off work with with Kathy and going to, you know, and convincing Kathy that Tracy is stealing money and stuff. So that aspect of her character is still there. We just haven't gotten to see her do a scheme in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that, thing with Kathy wasn't a scheme. I don't know. Well, no, but it was. But it was of that of that character aspect of her Mm -hmm. to always suspect the worst of people. And and while also being loyal to her friends. I think that's always been, you know, the whole star child thing fizzled very quickly. And I'm kind of glad that it did. I'm glad it did, yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work with the other aspects of the personality at all. Right. So, I don't know. I I like that she's getting more to do. I like that Dev is finally getting his hole. You know, because it's been a long time since uh, he and what's her name? broke up because he was a snob to her too remember this is an aspect of his character it's totally believable that he would be a snob because he was a snob with gina whose sister was the mayor so who is good enough for dev allahan right you know is it bernie 
honestly, I can't see them being a long-term couple. I'm not sure about that either, but I think that chart with Steve is just stupid male bravado. I don't think he right. meant any of that. that but, was it, just, but it was horrible. It was horrible, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But it's a thing that guys do, unfortunately. Well, you you think better of, of them, though, don't you? It's but, Dev. Yeah, that's true. It's, he's all about appearances. And, you know, the energy that the two of them give off when they're on screen together is does feel more comedic than, say, mm-hmm. the energy we were seeing between Ronnie and Jenny, where we called it Oof. weeks in advance that those two were totally going to get it on. Right. You know, we don't see that kind of energy from Dev and Bernie. No, the energy that Jenny and Ronnie were bringing forced me to do a Southern <laughs> Gentleman accent, if you remember. I'm not saying it's as bad as the bad chemistry between Craig and Faye. Oh, no, this isn't bad chemistry. But it's different chemistry. Mm-hmm. Our next storyline today is pop art on Monday. Uh, uh, the, see, that was kind of funny as well. Well, but I have as- a complaint. Again, aspects of the storyline <laughs> are funny and I like them, and other aspects. I wonder, uh, I wonder if we shared the aspect so that we're not. Anything, I'm confused by something. Hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. On Monday at the factory, Sarah tells Carla that they need a new machinist. Carla is still butthurt from last week and lays it on thick about Peter being knocking on death's door and Sarah has threatened her present. Big Wow says, Sarah, what storyline is that? And that, that shouldn't be there. Right. But this is explaining why they need a machinist. You know? Oh, yes. Right. So, that's, it, so it, is, it is meant yeah. to be there. Alina is at the garage with Tyrone's lunchtime sandwiches. I, this I wasn't that keen about because Alina's just now become a, a younger fizz delivering the sandwiches she, and and also she's become something that she wasn't this is what my problem before. is before all of a sudden she's what has happened to alina a ditz all of a sudden she's just like ross from friends giggling all the time and Ugh. cuckoo and airheaded and mm-hmm. can't think on her own now i don't think we've seen the inner workings of an Alina relationship before. I don't remember very much about the her time with Seb, fleeting as it was. Right. So this might be the first time we've seen how an Alina relationship works, where she becomes this, like she you said. She was never like this with Seb. I mean, I know, I agree we didn't really get to see too much of their relationship, but the bits we saw of their relationship, she was not like this at all. And just her whole demeanour. Well, it, just, it, it gets worse. So it does. Fizz it really gets sh- worse. Shows up to kill the mood and to make sure that he's okay to look after the kids later. They're looking forward to spending time with Daddy. He says he is too, but then he tells Alina that he has a shift at Dev's later. So ignoring everything that Fitz said about the kids, looking forward to Daddy time, Alina says that she'll look after them. So Alina overhears Sarah cold calling for a machinist and suggests fees. Fizz thinks that you're the Antichrist, says Sarah, but Alina says that that was all in the past and she's even babysitting the girls later um, that Fizz doesn't know about. Well, if you're sure it's okay, says Sarah, who doesn't give two fucks about whether it was okay for Paul when she hired Todd the Prick. At the flat, Hope is going through Alina's makeup and asks for eyelash extensions. Ty is rushing out the door but says it's fine, whatever, despite Alina thinking that she's too young. Do whatever you think's right, says Ty. And he leaves and Alina suggests calling Fizz, but Hope insists that Fizz won't care, but if it's an issue, don't worry. I'd probably be a right minger with false eyelashes anyway, says Hope. Okay, fine, says a gutted Alina, while Hope does a two-second smile fade. Right, and this does not make any sense at all, because Alina was the one who says she's too young for eyelash extensions. Mm. And Ty says, do what you think is right. Well, Ty's not listening. Right, he's not, 
but also he does say, do what you think is right. So if Alina in the very beginning says she's too young for eyelash extensions, hope pretending to be sad and thinking that she's ugly should not be enough to get Alina to change her mind about her being too young for eyelash extensions. And yet. And, and yet she does. And not just any eyelash extensions. Fizz and Gemma are at the bistro chatting to Izzy on FaceTime. Izzy's clearly drunk. In comes Sarah and offers Fizz the job. Flexible hours around the furniture thing and the kids. Fizz is pickled tink until Sarah lets slip that this was all Alina's bright idea. So Fizz goes to pick up the girls, unimpressed that Tyrone isn't there and Ruby has locked herself in the toilet. Apparently this is what Ruby does now. Yeah, it's a game and she's not really locked in. But this is just an excuse to not have Ruby in the Ruby. shop. Yeah. yeah. And that Alina is arranging pity jobs for her. She's even less impressed to see that Alina has glued fancy eyelash extensions onto Hope. Pink and, ones! And they're semi-permanent. Fizz thinks it's child abuse. Tyrone comes in and Fizz can't believe that he's let his kid be done up like Love Island. What were you thinking? He says to Alina. Right. Well, I wasn't thinking anything. You said this was fine, basically. Right. But see, this is the whole thing. She says in the beginning, well, she's too young. She gets talked into it, but then she doesn't get like ones that you put on and then you take off at the end of the night she does like these heavy duty ones and then they're pink they're not even you know normal eye color eyelash color so she goes from one extreme to the other Mm -hmm. for no reason right and this is infuriating alina points out that uh, he said it was okay and besides hope said everything was okay as well Tyrone wonders if Alina would be the same if Hope said it was okay to mainline heroin. <laughs> Look, pal, says There's Alina. There's a bit of a difference between makeup and heroin. I'm Tyrone. stuck here looking after your fucking kids while you're away pretending to be a delivery boy and Fizz is getting wasted in the rovers. They fall out, but then Alina wants to get her hole. So that's what happens. And right. Everything's fine. And that's kind of weird as well. Because the two of them are arguing and she says, basically... Fancy getting your hole. Right, yeah. The, the like, best part of arguing sure. is the makeup sex right. sort of thing. And I guess. But the fact... She's young. Right. right she's young. Well, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be young to enjoy makeup well, sex. But that quickly? Uh, you enjoy being angry for a little bit longer than that, I think. I don't know. We've seen We've seen evidence that they have been going at it like rabbits before this. Do they have anything else other than this, though? It really doesn't feel like they do, which means... They're incompatible. This relationship's not going to last very long. No. And Ty has destroyed his whole life for nothing. Right. That wall she did last week is gone, isn't it? No, it's behind things. You can still see the... uh, What was the The bird food? (laughs) The trill? Trill is still there. You can see trill, yeah. I couldn't really see it. Then again, there was something else that was really distracting in that room. That's good to So on Wednesday, Tyrone and Alina are being fucking up all into each other in front of poor Emma, who points out that this is a shared flat. Right, yes. And the walls are Are really really thin. thin. Like something thin. Then Alina takes delivery of a five-foot square photo of her and Tyrone, a sexy mechanic and, I guess, 1950s biker chick. (laughs) It's awful. It's the it's is the this, absolute. Is this the result of the portrait that they went yes, to get done? This is that. Then why is Tyrone so surprised? I think he's surprised at how bad it is. But then again, he posed for this, so he must have known right. that he was holding like a wrench or something, and that it was going to be 
appalling because it is he he does say that he didn't realize it was going to be so large so i can understand that and i i too it's like that that had to it's awful but it had to have cost a fortune a lot of money it's five foot square it's a bit as tall as she is right it had to have cost a lot of money and you know they've been complaining about money and he's got to take the second job and everything and she seems and this is an, uh, again another thing that kind of seems out of the character of the Alina we know is that she got her expense they she bought with his money that expensive coffee maker and then he bought those expensive glasses for her for the coffee maker and now this I seem to remember when she was with Seb that she didn't want him spending lots of money on her and that she and right enough she'd just come out of like this traumatic experience and everything but she seemed a lot more sensible when it came to finances and things she seemed because of circumstance a very grounded individual right and now that's just flown out the window right because plot so emma and tyrone can't hide their hatred of it and alina thinks it's the best thing that she's ever seen ronnie's at the garage with tyrone when alina comes by and lays on the lovey-dovey stuff thick telling ty that she's making toad up your hole again and that she'll be wearing the heels from the photo if he squeezes himself into those jeans off she goes and Ronnie laughs. Fucking hell, Ty, that looks like hard work. Then along comes Fizz to kill the mood and demand 40 quid in their bank account from him by the end of the day for stuff for the girls. Then she heads off to the pub with Maria. Back at the flat, Emma's trying to catch up on her lost sleep, but the massive photo of Tyrone is staring at her, so she goes to throw a towel over it as Alina comes home. Why Why is she sleeping on the couch? She wanted to just sit and watch a box set and, and nap, she said. So she's in the living room doing that. So Alina comes home and she's worried that getting the photo done was a mistake because Emma and Ty uh, haven't said anything nice about it. She got it to put smiles on people's faces, but she sees zero smiles. Right. And Emma pretends that yeah, she, she thought there was yogurt, that yogurt splattered from the couch come. all the way. Emma calls it modern art and quickly leaves. <laughs> Ty is at Dev's when he gets a call from the school about Hope. Fizz is incommunicado for reasons that we'll find out, I think, later. Yeah, her so phone Ty, is dead. Right, of course. So Ty looks for help from Evelyn, but settles on sending Alina to pick her up instead. Alina has a job too, Tyrone. Right, yeah. She runs her own business. And also, why can't... Oh, because he's, he's got the delivery oh, to do. So Alina has picked up Hope and is walking her home. It seems the cause of the outburst was kids ripping the piss out of her stupid eyelashes. She hates what Alina did to her. Alina asks her to try and get along and points out that Ruby's doing her best when she's not locking herself in the bathroom. <laughs> Alina continues to witter on, isn't paying attention, when Hope tries to end it all by stepping in front of Ronnie's car <laughs> as he drives away from the garage. So Ty comes running out to see what the commotion was all about and Fizz is going to love this, he says. So Fizz appears at the mention of her name and does not love this. What's this all about? And Hope blames Alina for... Uh, running out into the road and saying that Lena had said that everybody loves Ruby and nobody loves her. Alina, Which is not what she said at all. No. And also, what's up with Ty being back in the shop when he was supposed to be doing deliveries for Dev and that's why he couldn't pick up Ruby or Hope? Was because that that he, day or the day? I can't remember. Anyway, Alina denies it, but Fizz doesn't need to hear anymore and drags a smirking Hope home. And back home, Fizz lays down the law to Alina and Tyrone. Ty points out that Hope has form for making shit up vis-a-vis uh, Jade, but Fizz mm-hmm. will not be reasoned with here and uh, bans Alina from ever being near the girls again and bans them from their flat. You can't do that, says Alina. I will fucking kill you, says Fizz. And Alina <laughs> and Tyrone take this as a cue to leave. 
So Fizz goes to see Adam and he advises that she speaks with Tyrone when they're both not angry, but Fizz doesn't appreciate common sense being spoken to her. Legal route should be the last resort, Adam says. Adam speaking common sense. Yeah, it's crazy. I quite like it. Common sense, it's nice in a Scottish accent. <laughs> Fizz goes to the flat, checks out the monster picture and tries to talk calmly with Tyrone while Alina is out. Fizz thinks it's for the best that Ty doesn't see the girls until a consent order is in place. Fizz claims this isn't about her, it's about the girl's safety. And she tells Ty that he's a joke and she leaves. Angry Tyrone follows Fizz home. I'm not a joke, you, he says. In the secondary point, you can't take the kids away from me. Evelyn comes down to see what the fuss is about. Fizz says the girls are in danger when they're with Alina. What's she going to do? Bore them to death, says Evelyn. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was great. That was hilarious. That was great. Ty points out that Ruby isn't Fizzy's, so he'll be fucked if she'll tell him that he can't see her. Mm-hmm. He quickly tries to backtrack and Evelyn is shocked, reminding him that he walked out and left Fizz to struggle on her own. Fizz is done talking and tells him to get out. Get out! Get out! This isn't the end he promises. This isn't her decision to make. And later, Fizz asks Evelyn if she's going to do if she's doing the right thing. No, says Evelyn. It's selfish and spiteful, but she'd probably do the same thing herself. But don't use the kids as ammunition. It's a shitty thing to do. Take the high road, she says. Yeah, slash his tires. <laughs> right. Uh, trim his clothes. Yeah, trim four inches off of his trousers. Send him a lovely t-shirt. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tyrone is furious while Alina tries to uh, help take his mind off it by mentioning hot tubs and bath bombs. Give her time to calm down, she says. She goes off to run a bath and Tyrone decides to uh, take some action and grabs a laptop. Fizz has given Evelyn's advice some thought, but then she gets a notification that makes her angry again and she tracks Adam down to the rovers. She wants to lawyer up. Tyrone has taken a bunch of money from their joint account. She doesn't know what it's for, but she needs to do something. She can't lose the girls. And she has it in her mind that what he's spending it on a lawyer, that he's spending it on her, Right, and Alina. And other things. And Adam's like, well, what's she spending on? Yeah. Well, what's he spending on? You don't know. On? You have yeah. no idea. Right. It could be something for the girls. You don't know. The whole Ruby's not yours, so you'll not be taking her off of me. Right. He's got a point. <sighs> Legally, yes. It's a nasty thing to say. It's a nasty thing to say, and it implies that he loves Ruby more than Hope. You know, and everything. And they don't want to split the girls up. It's a nasty thing for him to say, but it's a nasty thing for her to threaten. The two of them were being... They were both Again, the worst parents in the world. Right, yeah. They were both being equally awful to one another. And this whole, I'm doing this for the girls line... Right. ...isn't really cutting it when everything that she seems to be doing is out of spite. Right. And the whole saying that eyelash extensions were child abuse was... Ridiculous. Yeah. Although it was kind of stupid. Well, it was it was stupid, but it wasn't child abuse. No, it wasn't child abuse. And it was blown far, far too out of proportion. Mm-hmm. On Friday, Tyrone is a bit worse for wear as he catches Fizz in the street. He wants to discuss seeing the girls, but all she's keen on doing is mocking him for going out clubbing and berating him for spending money from the joint account. Request any lighthouse family in between your dad dancing, she says. Ooh, a little bit of burn on the lighthouse family. What did they do to deserve that? <laughs> In the garage, Kev gets a breakdown call. Ty says that he'll get it, but Kev points out that he's stinking the booze. Ty explains, look, I'm fine. Just someone spilled a drink down my shirt. And, and he, didn't ha- he didn't have, he slept in his clothes mm-hmm. and didn't have time to put on a clean shirt. Right. And he, he, he says it so often that I start to believe it. <laughs> Kev remarks that now that Ty is in his 40s, nights out can have a more lasting effect. I'm not fucking 40, says Ty. And he goes off to get the breakdown thing. 
But before he leaves, he bumps into Adam and tries to ask for advice about the fist situation, but Adam calls it a conflict of interest and can't say any more than that, and Tyrone quickly deduces from this minor clue that Fizz has already lawyered up, and lawyered up in a Scottish way. He goes to see Fizz for some more shouting. Fizz reveals she'll be applying for a consent order for Ruby as well, so stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Mm-hmm. Adam has reckoned uh, that Ty being Ruby's dad isn't as important as which house is the most stable, and mm-hmm. given the nick of Tyrone right at this minute, it doesn't look good for him. Right. He points out that she was on the pop when Hope was nearly run over. Oh, get out. Tyrone gets back from his breakdown when PC Tinker appears from nowhere. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> yes. We've so, had we've kidnappings, some... we've had gunshots, attempted murder. PC Tinker has been nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he turns up for this. Right, and it's just... And isn't he in the CID now? They've got work in traffic already. And it's it's just another excuse for somebody to treat him like he's not to be taken seriously because he lives right around the corner. Right, because he calls Tyrone Sir. And Tyrone's like, fucking call me suffering, idiot. Yeah. And see, this is why you shouldn't, your your beat shouldn't be the neighborhood mm-hmm. you live in. Which is what he said himself. Many, many s- moons ago. Some time ago. Hello, 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 says PC Tinker. I reason to believe you're fucking wasted. Blow into this, please. Kev is unimpressed by how this looks. Mother Tinker tries to give Tyrone a hard time about driving while tired. As Tyrone works out that someone has tipped the coppers off because he's under the limit. Mm-hmm. So when he confronts Fizz about it, she doesn't deny it, although she becomes sheepish when Evelyn comes along and the cat further devours her tongue when Tyrone mentions that Fizz is going for custody of the kids. Back at the flat, Alina reckons that Tyrone has been too soft with Fizz and he has to fight back. <sighs> he was trying to protect the girls from all this, but Alina doesn't see what choice he has now. So back at number nine, Ben Price is upstairs making a noise. <laughs> he thinks he's Wonder Woman, says Fizz. <laughs> Evelyn, though, has found something that she can only describe as a dossier on everything that Alina and Tyrone have done wrong. Fizz is so consumed with anger because she still loves Tyrone, and this is killing her. Uh. I really felt for her at this point. Evelyn sympathises with a story about <clears throat> a friend who got cheated on that's clearly about her. Mm-hmm. She advises Fizz to write her own happy ending and move on. Well done, Evelyn. Yes. Tyrone's wearing a very snazzy Michigan State t-shirt, just... <laughs> just because, when he goes round to see Fizz for another fight, but she takes the wind out of his sails. She won't be lawyering up or applying for custody after all. She wants all the rowing to stop. He can see the girls whenever he likes, so Tyrone calms. He won't be wanting to take Ruby away and he'll be putting the money back in the account. You only took it out for the lawyer, he says. Right. So no harm done, says Evelyn. And she does the right thing here. She just shows him out. Uh-huh. That the business has been concluded. Yeah. Now we're done. Yes. Now it's time for you to go. Yes. And before, her, her, before something else is right. said. So yeah. her influence on this, let's not underestimate that. That two things really cooled this situation down mm-hmm. and, and got it resolved. Evelyn telling her basically to let it go and write your own happy ending and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And two, I think that the green and Tyrone shut Fizz found a very calming influence on the yeah. situation. It looked nice against the purple wall in the it back. It really did, didn't it? Yeah. It, it's like they know what they're doing. It's lovely. So I was glad that this kind of came to this kind of conclusion. Yes. I'm not happy about the completely new personality they've given Alina. No. I think it's really irritating. Well, I'm just confused by it. It's just, it's really irritating. She didn't even have a brain injury. No. 
So it just No, she's officially worse than Shona trademark. <laughs> I I'm not happy that they've continued to make Fizz just like a right cow about a lot of things and make Tyrone and Alina somewhat more sensible, you know, because the way Fizz reacts to Alina suggesting that she get the job, I thought was kind of ridiculous because it was a nice gesture. It it seemed like a way for Alina to like bury the hatchet a little bit. You know, she's she Well, and Alina's not really the antagonist in, in this. It's really Ty that will fan the flames of Fizz's ire, Mm -hmm. but she takes it out on Alina and it makes just, I hate this kind of stereotype of the wronged woman who just becomes just a ball of hate and anger and lashing out and doing the worst things to people. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that Fizz is still in love with Ty. I, I did like that. I liked that getting at least mentioned because I think it does explain some of the some of the behavior up until that. Yeah, point. It, it explains some of the behavior, and it is true you can't just turn emotions on and off. Right. Plus, it's look not at that easy. Uh, Standard there, all sex in that shot. But you know, it feels like Ty's been able to turn those those feelings off very quickly. He's a guy. Yeah, but guys have emotions too, and and I don't, soap operas. Mm. Well, it may be interesting if we had more guys with emotions in soap operas, don't you think? Oh, it's, yeah. it's again the the whole thing, like with the whole dev thing. I the whole boys will be boys sort of mentality. I don't. I I feel like it's kind of damaging, you and yeah, it, it is. And but it's true. It would be. I think the show would be much more interesting if we got a bit more introspective about the emotions of men and stuff, which they've done really well in the past mm-hmm. as far as things like suicide are concerned right. and mental illness and alcoholism and stuff. Mm-hmm. So why can't we do it when it comes to relationships as well, is all I'm saying. I think maybe because he was the one that kind of instigated it, that he has kind of dealt with it, I think, before so, she had a chance to even know that it was a thing. Right. Right. Yeah, but, but um, still, but yeah, you know, point I, I, I don't know. I just, it, it makes Fizz into this huge enemy, and, and, and her into the bad guy in all of this. When Evelyn rightly says, "Hey, he's the one who left," right? You know, so he should be the bad guy, mm-hmm. and yet they, they make Fizz just so. We did say that this situation needed Evelyn to come back and yes. And knock their heads together. Right, which and she has done. That's pretty much what she's done, and it's been successful. And long may she continue. That bit, let me show you out. Yeah. Of his own house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. I thought that was exceptional. Yeah. Our penultimate storyline today, very quick one, swearing and BSL. On Friday, it's time to remember that Gemma and Chesney have a deaf child. His name is Alad. Gemma is frantic because they have a BSL class today and then an appointment at the hospital to see if Alad is suitable for that implant operation that we talked about ages ago. Yeah, the cochlear implants. Mm-hmm. Which if you I never heard BSL being uh, referred to as BSL before. Yeah. ASL, sure, I've heard you say it a number, number of times. Yes. But I've never heard BSL before. Yeah. I thought it was a driving school. <laughs> and, he, and I seem to remember saying something about you know, he should know ASL. And you were like, well, no, he shouldn't know ASL. Because it's, <laughs> right. it's, di- it's very What's similar, but there are, there, there are differences. Language, accent. Yes. Yeah. 
So, uh, Gemma is out of her tits with worry while Chesney is far more laissez-faire about it. And, and keeps telling work. her to calm down, which makes me want to take a hatchet to his head. <laughs> Later, Chesney gets home to find Gemma flustered trying to find the link to the BSL class because it's online, obviously. Right, yeah. Luckily, Chesney, a man, can work the technology. <sighs> Gemma just doesn't want Ali to miss out. And the fact that he's like, oh, no, you need to calm down about this when he's the one who's like frantic with worry about Bernie and Dev getting it on. Right. For no real reason. That's no. any of his business. Just that he's worried that if it, it goes south, that Dev will the take it out on the be- whole family. Right. Yeah. But he's not. He's more concerned about that than taking care of his de- being able to communicate with his deaf son. Yeah. Don't worry, Chesney. The only time that Dev's going to fire you is when you steal money from him. <laughs> But then he'll hire you back. Right. So because it thinks was for that, a good reason. Thinks the class went well, but Gemma has decided to be worried about everything and so is worried that she won't be able to pick it up. Chess points out that her swearing is miles ahead of his. And there's I haven't and made cute. notes of it, but there's lovely little bits uh, kind of scattered through this storyline mm-hmm. and the kind of tail end of the dev one where you see Gemma doing little bits of practicing the sign mm-hmm. language and she makes kind of, she, she does some of it as she's saying things. Mm-hmm. That is kind of throwaway and you don't really notice until you remember this is what she's doing. Right. I thought that was a lovely little touch. Yeah, it's really nice. Yep. Nice to have them back again. And nice to have, because uh, we haven't seen these kids in 14 right. months. They must be like, what, five by now? <laughs> yeah, I, I will be, I'm, I'm really hoping that they, that they really do a good job as far as talking about cochlear implants and the pros and cons and that... Being a member of the deaf community doesn't necessarily mean that you know people in the deaf community, the majority of them, don't feel like they have a disability necessarily. You know that they're just differently abled, and mm. it's fine to be deaf. Right. You don't have to fix me. You know, and again, you know, I think that was really well presented in the fantastic Oscar-nominated movie, The Sound of Metal. Last year, because remember when he got the cochlear implants? Just fucking marry that movie, jeez. Remember when he got the cochlear implants, you could, you know, it really did a really good representation about how sound, people think that it's just this miracle thing and then the sound is the same as sound is to you and I, and it really isn't, you know, because it's not really sound, it's the brain getting tricked into thinking that it hears sound Mm. and stuff, and it's permanent because they take stuff out of your ears and there's no going back so i hope that they really explore that and it kind of feels like with frida coming back that that they are going to explore that more you know and get a better understanding about what it means to be a member of the deaf community our final storyline today is nina off the rails on the booze (laughs) on monday at home abby learns that itv corey has been charged another personality change with moida and gbh and the bail hearing is this afternoon. She's not sure she did the right thing by calling an ambulance last week, but Kev says this way they get justice. Mm. And later we find out that the police frogmen haven't found ITV Corey's bag after all. Nina is going with Abby to the court, but Asha can't face it. They're all fairly worried about drugging ITV Corey and pushing him down the stairs, but Abby's sure that they didn't a, push him down the stairs. That he a heard about this he by did now. it on himself. At the court, Nina remarks that ITV Corey's lawyer is wearing £600 shoes. And value, not weight. Mm-hmm. ITV Corey comes in hobbling on crutches like he's Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. The lawyer makes a decent case for ITV Corey. He's from a good <sighs> background, he's dead rich, and he isn't a flight risk. He should get bail with a security payment and a tag in an order to stay away from Coronation Street and, and a requirement to report to the cop shop daily. And this all seems pretty reasonable. Uh, but Nina and Abby are appalled. I, and as 
has in mind, you know, and the fact that she she goes on and on about, oh, he's got so many prospects and we don't really want this to damage his life forever and everything. When he killed someone, it reminded me. Yes. Of Brock Turner. Yes. Yes. You know, you know, the the rapist who was caught in the act of being of raping someone. But he's and, a really good swimmer. So. Oh, he's a really good swimmer and he's got his whole life ahead of him. So the judge went easy on him. And it's just yeah. I know these things happen in real life because I just gave a real life example. But just hearing somebody say hearing a fictitious character say all of these things mm-hmm. and make it sound reasonable. Right, when it's really not. <laughs> it's Speed Down, Nina and Abby are discussing the state of affairs. Nina is sure that they have a strong case. Ash and Addy come along. Oh, that's my it was, So it was horrible and triggering. Uh, let me just finish my sentence. Ash and Addy come along as Nina and Abby leave. Asha th- asks Nina to stay, hopes that they're square again. We are now, says Nina, but she leaves anyway. Yeah. On Wednesday, Nina asks to meet up with Asha and Spidal again. She feels like she's lost her mind. She's in so much pain. She's been blaming Asha and all she feels is pain. Asha tries to say the right things, but Nina isn't ready to hear what, uh, that what happened to Seb wasn't her fault. Asha doesn't think hiding who she is is any answer to any of this. This isn't your fault, she insists again. Seb is dead because they were bastards in the world. Yes. Yay! Asha clearly Yay! wants to give Nina a hug, and Nina decides that it's best if she goes. I hear that. I was like, oh, yes, finally. Yep. I'm hearing my own words being repeated <laughs> back to me. On Friday, Billy's alive and well and chatting with Roy and Roy's roles oh. about Summer and how she seems to be all insular now and blames herself and how uh, he doesn't know what to do even though this is his fucking job. <laughs> Roy is in a similar boat with Nina and Billy thinks it might be a great idea for Nina <sighs> to talk to Summer seeing as they're the same gender and they're both under 50. This is unquestionably a terrible idea. It's the worst idea. But Roy goes for it. Billy wants Nina to, fix to Summer. reassure Summer that the death of her boyfriend wasn't Summer's fault because he's worried about Summer's feelings. Mm-hmm. Does not care about Nina's feelings. Billy is the worst person. <laughs> he really he really is. And there's part of me later that is pissed off that Billy's sitting listening in on all this. But there's part of me that's thrilled by it because he right. needs to hear this shit. He really does. Later, Nina is sketching her graphic novel again. Roy is very impressed and gently introduces Summer's state of mind into the conversation. Nina has no fucks to give about this, but Mm -hmm. Roy persists and wonders if she could talk to her. About what, says Nina. Roy says Summer is innocent, but Nina points out, well, she should pick her friends more carefully then. You can relate to her, says Roy, and you've both lost a father. Too many people have suffered so far. Fine, says Nina, but it's clear that she's not happy about this. Yeah, and Roy also points out that she's 16, and Um, it's like, well... So? (laughs) Roy has been out to get some stock and mentions how much Sarah is looking forward to Nina getting back to work at Underworld when she's ready. I'm ready, says Nina. Right, she's more excited to go back to <laughs> right. Underworld than she is to being behind the... The, the counter at Roy's rolls. Right. Roy is worried that it's too much pressure, but Nina insists she needs this. Then in comes Billy with Summer. Right, so she's Nina's about ready to rush off to go talk to Sarah, and that's the time that right. Billy and Summer walk in and force her to time? sit and stay. It's not a good time. It's never going to be a good time. Nina sits with a face like fucking thunder and glares at Summer. Can we hurry this up? Says Nina, I've got places to go. Summer apologises for not doing more to calm the situation uh, with Seb and ITV Corey and all mm-hmm. that, and she regrets just leaving, as she should. Billy, who's chosen to listen into this private conversation, assures Summer that she's been harsh on herself. Isn't she? He says to Nina. <sighs> But Nina is in no mood to dish out forgiveness and it's not her job to make Summer feel better. She lost everything that night. Summer lost nothing. 
and Nina rushes away through the back. And she's right. She's absolutely right. And it's like, I, I, I actually feel even less for Summer just going along with us. Right. Where's your fucking head? You're supposed to be clever. You're supposed to be sensible. Right. And you don't realise how bad this is, how terrible this is. A lot of Summer's cleverness seems to have gone away when she got a new head. <laughs> Dev is practicing a putt to win the corner shop open when Nina comes in looking for some cheap foddy. Dev doesn't want to sell her any, <sighs> thinks it'd be a bad idea, but help yourself to some free chalkies. And he goes back to his putting, allowing Nina to steal a bottle from behind the counter and sneak out. And I didn't like that. I didn't like it either, and I didn't like that she's wearing a big jacket that's there so she can steal something. Right. It's so... <clears throat> patronising for for Dev to be like, oh no dear you don't want alcohol go have some chocolate you know, little woman and go back to, you know, Having whatever you were doing yeah it, it, I, I couldn't help thinking, would he say the same thing if it were Simon, say or any other young man, would he say, oh I don't know if you want alcohol, have no, some chocolate d- d- instead, sell them alcohol the and some cigarettes at the same time, right yeah, so it's just <laughs> it didn't, it wasn't necessary, no so she's back at Roy's Rolls and Roy apologises for creating that situation, as he absolutely should all he's done is upset everyone, yes you're right, because you didn't think things through right, which is not it's not really wrong. It's either. not really Roy either. Nina has cooled and says that she was out of line. We'll go around to apologise to Summer. So she goes to do that. But she's pissed when she turns up and she tells Summer that she doesn't blame her. And she whips out the bottle. You wanted me to make you feel better? Well, let's do that. Then Asha arrives and thinks letting Nina let off steam is probably for the best. And later, Nina looks like she's finished the bottle. Summer, who has been complaining about the revision that she needs to do ahead of an exam, wants to throw Nina out because she needs to get an early night. Nina goes to chop a lemon and only succeeds in chopping her hand. Well, I think that about wraps up the evening, says Asha. Later loser, says Nina, and with her hand wrapped up, she leaves them to it. Someone wants to follow her, but Asha just says, just better not to. Right, yeah, let's let's leave her to wander around with an open wound. Yeah. No biggie. <laughs> During a pandemic. Nina. Nina has been to the off-license for wine, but seems to be heading home when she sees Roy and Billy chat about earlier outside Roy's Rolls. She turns round and takes a seat in the alleyway of doom and gets wired into a cheeky wee Bordeaux. On a, on a piece of cardboard in the Lo- alley. Lovely stuff. And that's how we end this week's episodes. I, I hate this. <laughs> what, Nina going off the rails? Yeah. I'm not against Nina going off the rails, but I'm, I'd like to see her go off the rails in, in, a, in a different way. Yes. Well, there's that. And also... If Nina was going to go off the rails, wouldn't she have done it already before Abby forgave her and she went to the funeral and got some closure and everything? And I think maybe the closure thing's done it. And not after she gets closure and she's back with Abby and seems things are sort of getting patched up between her and Asha and everything and things should be better. I, it doesn't make any sense to me that this is when she's going to go off the rails and start <sighs> drinking. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I, I kind of like seeing this different side to Nina. It just, it felt really pantomime to me. And, uh, and it's not, and I think it felt pantomime not because it was poorly acted, but because it's just so, against type and against this character that we've we've 
we've grown to know and love as being kind of the sensible heart and soul and heir to Roy's throne of being the morality of Coronation Street, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, it made me deeply uncomfortable. And it just, again, it just felt like, it felt like an unimaginative way for her to go off the rails, especially since she was very preachy to Abby last week when she thought Abby was scoring. It's just difficult to focus, I think, on this part of it when Billy was in it this week. Because Billy, who said himself, uh-huh. I'm a man of God. Right. Then why are you so terrible at it? Right. Yeah. And why are, yeah, why are you so self-centered when it comes to this where, you, where you're not looking at the big picture? You're just worried about your own daughter's well-being mm-hmm. you know as as opposed to everyone else's she's not eating and she's not sleeping uh-huh. it's been like a month since someone she knew right was violently murdered mm-hmm. by someone that she knows right if you're not eating and you're not drinking maybe that's why right maybe that's not something to get too worked up about just yet right or if she really you know if she really needs help I'm sure he knows lots of good counselors. Toya. Yes, or, you know, anybody but the person who was the most traumatized by right. this experience. Further down the list. Right. You know, it, it was like they ha- he has this conversation where he's telling this to, to Roy, and Roy, in, in an attempt to create some empathy, says, yes, I'm going through the same thing with Nina. What Billy should have said is, well, maybe we need to get both of them into counseling. Mm -hmm. You know, would you like me to give you a list of of counselors in the area that might be able to help Nina that deal with trauma? No. Mm -hmm. He immediately goes to, well, then Nina can help uh, Summer because... Free. I don't know. Because she's older, you know, or something. I don't know. The, The whole thing was just ridiculous and it just made me uncomfortable really sympathetic i really i was really looking forward to a scene where where she should have gone when she bolts out of there you know is where she was going in the first place to go speak to sarah Mm -hmm. you know and find an outlet in her creativity right that's what should have happened not Oh, I'm upset and I was going to go see Sarah, but instead I'm going to go to Dev's and steal a bottle of vodka. It doesn't, it just, it feels unimaginative. Yeah, it's a bit as easy. Far as That's a bit easy. It, it's, it, yeah, it's easy. It's niche. It's something we've seen a million times before a character goes off the rails and starts hitting the booze. You know, be better, Coronation Street. Be better. I still really enjoyed it this week, though. Right. Well, that's because of the t-shirt. Let's be honest. <laughs> No, I really they could, have, they could have had like the worst storyline ever, and you'd be like, "Oh, it was fabulous this week because my road was wearing the Michigan." State it was good shirt. before that. It was good. It was good. I, you know, again, I have some niggles with this week, but it's it's definitely had more highlights than lowlights. It was entertaining and it was fun, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it from that point of view. Yes. Your moment of the week. See, for me, my moment of the week would be Peter and Shona. And I know that's not your moment of the week. I really, you know, especially the second time around with the mobile phone where Peter says, thank you, you know, because everybody else is treating me with kid gloves and stuff. And 
they're able to relate with one another. It's been due time that Shona has been given someone that can relate to her and that she can relate to where she seems more like a human being instead of a joke. And so I really, I really loved that for both of those characters because both of those characters have been defined by their illnesses. And so having this moment of empathy between the two of them, I, I just really loved it. And also Peter's zombie impersonation. Yeah. That wasn't going to be my moment of the week. Right. My moment of the week was... What? Sell me on your moment of the week. Oh, I don't, I don't think I can because it's burning Cerberus. <laughs> I'd just love to give an animal moment of the week. Bernie and Cerberus rolling on the floor, really. It just it just brought me an enormous <laughs> amount of joy. Yeah, you're not selling me on that. No, Sorry, but it love. was an enormous amount of joy that I got from that. <laughs> it was so funny. That wee dug for his paws. No, I'm, I'm happy to give it to uh, Peter and Shona. I think the the whole, yeah, the the um the, the illness thing, I think, is a, a salient point. Right, and, yeah. And yeah. It wasn't a big moment. It wasn't a big moment. It wasn't, you know, written to be a big moment. But this is, again, I think where Coronation Street really shines when it's, when it's these small, quiet moments of character development and, and empathy. Uh, that's something that they do really well. So that is definitely our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Boom, 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 boom. moment of the week. Uh, is it Sam and his telescope again? You thought that was last week. <laughs> is it Daniel asking Adam if drinking while Peter gets a new liver is in poor taste? I'd like to give the it really, to Daniel. The really meta, because I I can't I can't give boring moment of the week to him fixing the your thing because I loved no, no, it no, and it's funny. absolutely something I would do. That's and one it of the funny. best things that Daniel's done in the while, <laughs> yes. maybe ever. I know because he's looking at it, he's staring at it. And I was like. At first, I was like, oh, God, is he going to sign up to give a part of his liver to someone else because, <laughs> right. because he can't give it to Peter? But that would no. have made sense. <laughs> but no, it was to fix the you and your. And that just, that made me laugh so much. I, I loved that. Uh, my boring moment of the week is Chesney being able to sign in his email. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, yes, let's do that. That's a boring moment of the week. Chesney is owed a boring moment of the week. Oh, God, so there he's we go. so due a boring moment of the week. Oh, God. Calm down. <laughs> Have you ever been needed for something incredibly important, but no one could find you for a really insignificant period of time? I can't imagine that's lived with you, but if it has, committed to correspondence. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Please. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more. I talk of the street. Talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.